0: Hello and welcome to Detroit from Across the Pond with Andrew Lewis-Smith. This is a podcast which looks at Detroit, its people and initiatives and projects which are making a difference to the city and its communities. Every week I'll be asking a new interviewee about Detroit, projects that they are involved in and what it is that they love about Detroit and the people who live there. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis-Smith. Hello, and welcome to this, the penultimate show in season one of the podcast, which, to be quite honest, is said with some disbelief. However, I think I'm going to leave the waxing lyrical to next week's final show. In the course, of recording these uh, shows, one of the great joys of the podcast is that when I go back to edit a show for each week, and a particularly one that I've recorded some time ago, it's amazing. I really do enjoy listening to the guests tell their story. It's just so interesting. And in this week's interview, I'm, I'm particularly reminded by how much I smiled during it. Uh, a guest has such an infectious laugh, a, a real deep personal warmth, I guess, and a real... Uh, delight and and desire to, to help others, which I think comes across really strongly in the show. We'll get into that in a, in a minute or two. Firstly, I usually do this at the end of the show, but I want to do it at the start of the show because I think in a way, I guess you guys, the listeners... The guests are obviously pretty pretty important, but you guys, the listeners, really make this show because I could be doing all sorts of wondrous things. I'm not, obviously, but I could be. And if no one's listening to it, well, it's like shouting at an empty room, isn't it, really? So I want to firstly thank... Kristen from Arizona, and I know you're a busy bee with the little ones, so thank you for listening in. Lindsay from Wilmington in North Carolina, thank you so much for your kind comments. Kim in Florida has been commenting and being supportive right from the start. And also for Allison in New Jersey, and thank you so much to your support. On with today's show. Hello, and welcome to Detroit from Across the Pond with me, your host, Andrew Lewis-Smith. Now, I'm very pleased and excited today to welcome Karen Kahn from a vegan sort of, it's a restaurant, but it's a food truck and an outside caterer called Nosh Pit, Detroit. And uh, I have to declare a bit of self-interest here because being a vegan, um, it's one of the several places in Detroit that I've, so, I've followed really in terms of vegan food and sort of thought, ooh, that looks sounds really nice. And I was planning a trip in June to Detroit, thankfully. I didn't book any tickets but I'll book anywhere but I, I was on the verge of it so it Karen's restaurant or truck depending on what was going on that when i was there was where i was going to head down to karen works with her husband and best friend that's that Stefan and eric eric is your husband i believe Karen. one of the things that i've been interested in was um obviously detroit's been hit really hard by the covid19 pandemic and like lots of small businesses particularly um, in the hospitality business restaurants i think that um Karen and her the guys that she worked with in the wider team obviously had to make some big choices and decisions about what they what they did. And one of the things I want to get into is just you know how they made that transition and also what they're doing now because one of the things that I've learned from doing these podcasts, from my reading, and one of the things that stimulated my interest was there's such goodwill in Detroit by so many people helping um, local communities in different ways and it's fantastic. Often there's maybe there's bits of I don't know what you would call it, state or local structure, not providing, missing, there isn't money, but people are trying to make it up, and that's fantastic. Karen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me today.
0: <laughs> so, so, Karen, one of the things I said, obviously, the name Noshpit Detroit, would you say a little bit about what it is? And I, I mean, I guess is what it is now, but also what it would be in normal times. Though.
1: Sure. Um, the start of Noshpit came from a little green truck, that we bought with a little loan from the Hebrew Free Loan. And we thought as 40 something year olds, we would try our hand at running a little restaurant. So my husband and Stefan and I bought the truck, came up with a menu, worked for about a year for absolutely free. (laughs) We didn't make any money at all the first year we did it at all. But it was a wild adventure and it grew into a beautiful vegan restaurant in Hamtram. Do commute or we did, and I have to say past tense because who knows what the future is. Mm-hmm. But we put together a community style dining, huge table for thirty people. We've hosted pop ups from Cleveland and Chicago. We've brought people in to talk about veganism, all while doing about 50 to 100 events a year through the food truck. And so it balances managed in the past four years to balance having a restaurant where people come to us, but also an outreach where we bring the vegan food to everyone else. And it's been a wild adventure of good food making lots of friends, learning about business along the way, and being able to provide a service to Detroit and our surrounding communities. I was going to say, it all started from a crazy idea yeah. we had. Well, we were all doing different things that why not try our hand at a food business?
0: Well, that was a question I was going to ask. So, my reading of this, and also when I was looking at the uh, your website before and getting some information, was none of you are real hardcore hospitality people, restauranters, anything like that. Is that right?
1: That is right. I came from a oh. sustainability background. Um, okay. I had done IT, and then I worked for waste management in the sustainability services group. Stefan w- ran a music label. For years. My husband is into marketing and information economics, but what we all have in common is that we loved food. and We were part of a group that met every month and did food challenges and we Mm -hmm. would be cooking for each other. Uh, It was about 12 people and every month we'd show up with another challenge where we, we pushed the edges of what we could do creatively with food. We had Themes such as dining in the dark, where we had to focus on scents and textures, and then we had another week where it was slapdash and you had to use only what was in your cabinet at that time. Like we would create yeah. food challenges, and and it's still going. I haven't been able to participate in the last couple of years, but. What it what it did was it brought out this passion that I've always had for cooking. Um, mm. You can't be vegetarian or vegan and not have a passion yeah. for cooking. It it kind of comes hand in hand, especially if you've been doing it for a while. You know you you'll have to learn how to recreate the taste and flavors that you miss.
0: Yeah. So could you remember the very first time that one of the few of you said, "Why did we start a business?"
1: Yes, I do remember. It was our golden potluck i'm trying to remember if it was the 50th time that the cooking group had met together mm. it was actually at stefan's dad's house and to this day stefan's dad's house it's in the boston edison district and ken please forgive me for putting this on on radio but he still has not finished his kitchen I think it's been.
0: <laughs> <That> sounds familiar.
1: <laughs> I think it's been over a decade of of him renovating his kitchen in this one house in this historic district in in Detroit. So he had this big potluck there, and I remember sitting next to the stove in the and there's no like drywall. <laughs> <laughs> and I was talking to Stefan. And Stefan had, think that he had just been let go um, from his job that he had been at for, for 15 years. And I was in the position where my husband had been offered a job overseas, and we were looking at a six-month stint overseas. And I was going to have to quit my job to do that. But I was okay with doing it. But it, the question was, what would I do when I came back? Mm-hmm. So I kind of floated it by Stefan Hey, you know, we're both in this gray area with our jobs. Kind of feeling that just turned 40, uh, got to because it's true. You hit a certain point in your life where your kids are old enough that they can take care of themselves. And all of a sudden, your life isn't revolving around your children's schedule anymore, and you can start dreaming of what what you could do, you know? Yeah. So, I started dreaming about what made me happy? And also at that time, my grandmother was living with us. Um, she was 88. And that's another part of the caring, nurturing is taking care of others is something that brings me immense joy. Cooking for others brings me immense joy. It makes me feel happy. So I floated it by. What What if we bought a food truck? What if me and Eric would put our money in, bought a food truck? Would he come and work with us and, and cook? Because he... He's the cook. He's the chef. Stefan's the one with, I'd say, ninety nine percent of the talent. I I, I <laughs> am a very talented baker, but I could not do this on my own at all. Stefan is is the bad talent of of Nosh Pit. Um, I would say that I I add some creativity, um, and I I add the beauty and the the unique look to how things look, but the flavor is all. It's, so anyway, he, he said he'd think about it. I think it took him six months to totally be in. But when Eric and I took off overseas, we put the money down for him to take all of the training classes at Detroit Food Lab. And he did. And he loved it. And at the end, we had this book together with all of our instruction plans. We started raising money. And we got enough money for this truck. And it was slow going. And like I said, we didn't make money for a year. Not at all. But after a year we started we started getting gigs. I'm a networker. I make a lot Mm -hmm. of friends. I started making connections. We started getting out there. We started you know, that first year we gave away a lot of food for people to try it. And then by I think it was the second or third I think it was the second year that we won Best Food Truck in Detroit, which totally floored us. I remember opening up our magazine and seeing best food truck in in Detroit, and I am like, this is not what I expected. We had gotten like a precursor of you know you want a award, and I thought we were going to get best vegetarian, you know, like our best yeah, yeah. vegan, but to have gotten best food truck of all of the food trucks, I remember having to sit down after that because that was it was a lot of work to get there, and it was totally unexpected. But what we we're able to put into it is kind of that passion. We did this not because we wanted to make a lot of money, we did this because we wanted to share good food. Detroit, And we added kind of my Bubby's, you know, nurturing nature to it. A little bit of Jewish influence, a little bit of parenting influence to it as well. I would say that a lot of our sandwiches are named after our kids for the reason that it's us parents feeding like we're parents. So it's really, it's changed my life totally in a way I, I couldn't have expected.
0: <laughs> that's, that's absolutely amazing. So let, so as someone who knows nothing about food trucks, okay, so presumably you can buy sort of off-the-peg food trucks that you like. You guys did and that, that's got all the gear inside and, and the hatch and all those bits and bobs? Or do you, <laughs> is that what you do? I don't know. Because <laughs> you had to research all that, I guess. <laughs> Maybe
1: not. It's funny. um, When we were building our food truck, we did end up going to Detroit Custom Coach to have the finishing touches done to it. And Detroit Custom Coach has since closed. But at the time that we had our food truck built four years ago, they were hopping with all of the new food trucks coming out into the streets of Detroit. And I remember they were featuring this pizza truck that they were working on. I'm not going to name any names. That had cost $150,000. And they actually showed a video of someone doing, like, flips in the middle of this truck because it was so big. and, (laughs) And they had put so much money into it. Now, this truck got done a lot faster than my truck, which only needed a few things. But we were only spending... 15,000, well, a tenth of what this other truck. So I get it. I'm a business person. You do the one that's spending more money first. But at the end of it all, we were able to make more money by not putting as much money yeah. <laughs> into our truck that we survived in the same package that we headed out in. Whereas some of the other trucks have had to go through multiple names and ownership and whatnot. We, we started small by the, our bootstraps like parents often do. <laughs> you learn to make do with what tools you have at the time. We didn't plan it around what we could do. We did it around what we had and what we could fit hmm. in this little tiny truck, which story goes that Stefan stopped working in the truck about a year and a half in. Um, he'll tell you it's because he had more work to do in the kitchen. I'll tell you it's because... He kept on hitting his head and turning into a grouch in this tiny little truck, and <laughs> I about <kicked him> <laughs> because the food truck part of the as the business is really things break all the time. You can't you can't travel around with a whole bunch of uh, heating and cooling equipment um, on bumpy roads which some of the places that we've gone uh, up grass and I remember there's this one gig we went to up a dirt road and we got there and you couldn't read the name of the food truck <laughs> <We got there. laughs> like, everything was covered in dust because it was oh it was but we may we make it work
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. you have to be prepared for any situation that comes um, of anything breaking, of anything being forgotten because the list of what to get on the food truck is pretty darn long because you are a mobile kitchen mm-hmm. and you often end up five hours away and you go to turn on such equipment and you realize, oh, my propane doesn't work. I have a line of 100 people waiting for food. Let's see how we fix this or if come up with a plan B, which I remember we cooked off an electric griddle once for a gig for uh, 100 people. But we worked. We made it work. So that's one of the most fun, adventurous parts of having a food truck is it's a different beast than the restaurant where everything is the same every day. Everything is different every day. It and- sounds like
0: you needed to be ingenious and patient and creative and, I guess, calm at times. Uh, there's. Yeah, it's yes. incredible. Um, okay. Is it the, still the same truck that you have? This year, the
1: truck is retired. We are moving <laughs> on to a bigger truck.
0: Um, can you, can end- you do cartwheels in this one?
1: No, but the ceiling is high enough that we can have all of our employees work. I actually have two employees that are over six foot.
0: <laughs> all right, because so, I'm six foot one, so I would yes. probably back my head.
1: Yes, no, it was actually dangerous for them to work in the last truck. So this new one, again, every every single story I have about acquiring food trucks is a story of love. From the first truck to this new truck, which came from our brothers at Cheese Street, who are moving on to be doing more tent-based hmm. setups at their festivals that they go to, they, they have sold us their truck. And I say sold very loosely because I'm paying them back for it. They basically gave it to me with the promise that I would pay them back. In the meantime, I'm giving their moms Mother's Day cake and birthday cakes and, that like and a all good the gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> a girl.
0: You're a good businesswoman, I can see.
1: <laughs> I barter with food.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you came out well on that one. Can I just ask them to so- Where did the name come from? My grandmother. Your grandmother? How come?
1: So for many years, I've always thought that I was going to be an entrepreneur. And I was trying to find the right business for me to take off on. Over the years, I got a group of friends that I would bounce my ideas off of. Most of us were in business school together. When we came up with the idea for the truck, I got a small group of my, my business friends together. And we sat around my dining room table in Royal Oak at that time. And my grandmother was living with us and it was lunchtime. So she was eating her soup and I involved her in everything that I could. Mm-hmm. So she was sitting there eating her soup. Well, there were five of us talking about business ideas for a food. And someone brought up name. And I'm like, ah, oh, it might be too early for a name. And my my bubby with her Brooklyn accent, it's got to be Nosh. It's got to be Nosh. <laughs> she said, it's Yiddish. It's her history. <laughs> It means snack. It's got to be Nosh, and then uh, Jason Barry, who is a friend of mine. Another fun story: how he became a friend. Uh, he was one of the caterers at mine and Eric's wedding, and I remember at the end of the wedding, our wedding, <laughs> we realized we didn't have a car at the reception, so we went to one of the caterers who was still there cleaning up and asked him if he could drive us from our own reception to the house. <laughs> And it was the best night ever. So, yes, yeah, Jason is dear friend. And he said, well, if you're going to say Nosh, you have to do Pit. It goes with your musical background, Karen. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. You know, it's yeah.
0: not. Nosh it, Pit. It was
1: really- yeah, uh,
0: yeah, so, it's really, it's very re- re- what a great name actually. So, so nosh is a is a because uh, we would use the word here, we'd have some nosh. But is it a Yiddish word? Is that right? It
1: is indeed a Yiddish really? word. I, I didn't that. Know. Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, do you know what? I didn't know that. Oh, wow, every, every day is a school day, isn't it? Really, it's, isn't that exciting? <laughs> Seriously, I love that. I love words. I love that. Is that not okay? So clearly, so your uh, so your grandma wasn't from Detroit. No, I'm my I'm guessing that means that you're not from Detroit, perhaps.
1: I not, am not. I am not. I believe it is today. Um, I moved to Detroit 20 years ago.
0: Oh wow! Happy birthday, Thank or move day, or whatever it would be called.
1: I think we would call it anniversary here.
0: H- anniversary. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> so what, what brought you from all the way from New York? Because, I mean, New York would have so much going for it. I know it's, it's pricey, but what took you all the way from uh, New York to Detroit?
1: My grandmother. My grandmother, I went to college in New York. Well, I grew up in New York when my grandmother moved to Florida, and I, I moved down with my grandmother to Florida for a little while. Mm. And then I went back to New York. Then I went to grad school and my grandmother got to a certain point where she said, I don't want to live alone anymore. I'm moving in with your aunt in Detroit. So my, my, my bubby ended up moving from Florida to Detroit. So when I was kind of without funds and trying to figure out how to make my life work as a 24 year old, when you still kind of need some support when you're in mm. your 20s, I ended up making the decision to move to where my Bobby had moved. So Detroit it was.
0: And what was Detroit like 20 years ago? Because I guess I know it's been for a lot So in terms of the the history of ups and downs, even in the last 20 years, let alone in the last 100 years.
1: Well, you know, coming as a New Yorker who was, uh, I went to Barnard College, which Mm -hmm. is the Women's School of Columbia University. Mm Mm-hmm. Very independent, very stubborn. And right away, I started looking for a place I could afford to live. I found a house in Pontiac. My aunt was very upset about this. And she said, Pontiac is not where single white people go to live. <laughs> it's a very dangerous area. Um, and I, I said, you know, I've got a job. I was starting a job at Oakland University. It was a place that I could afford. I found a beautiful little bungalow house. And I said, you know, I'm going to try it. Let's see. So for seven years, I was in that house in, in Pontiac. And I absolutely loved it. But I did run into quite a few like little pickle situations where I did not fit in with the neighborhood because I was the white Jewish woman who had kids on the block and all of my neighbors had been there for a long time. And I, I believe that the way to fight racism and discrimination is to just plow forward. I really do. I think that the idea of New York city, when I went to college, I ended up living in a neighborhood in Harlem. And since then, Harlem has been kind of gentrified and lost some of its history. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that the advantages of having more people travel through the areas of history um, have to be preserved. And here in Detroit, there's still some areas that people don't go to thinking that they're, quote unquote, dangerous. Mm. Still to this day, 20 years ago, it was that way, too. But only by building up businesses, by sending our kids to schools in the school districts that need to have Mm. kids in them are our public structures going to grow only by having faith in our public government and faith. In our communities, are they going to flourish? So the good news is Detroit, which used to be like Pontiac when I I moved 20 years ago, is no longer. I mean, there's still some neighborhoods on the west side that maybe you don't want to be alone in at night. Um, But honestly, my sense of safety and security has done a 180 since 20 years ago. Like when you were being warned about danger, danger is a state of mind mm-hmm. rather than an actuality. If you're able to talk to people and that's all they are is is people in communities and in neighborhoods. You just talk to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You be a person and they welcome you. And I was very glad to have lived in Pontiac for seven years I loved my neighbors. I remember one a kid stole a tennis ball from my yard and my across the street neighbors called me at work to tell me. And then my aunt who lived in West Bloomfield had a bike stolen from her garage the same day. <laughs> I said, see? You know, your our perspectives of crime and danger are, are a little different, but you know, I don't want to I don't want to belittle anyone's sense of security. But I do want to promote that the idea of danger that was passed on to me by my family and that you read about in the news is, is quite hyped up past the unknown. That's mm-hmm. actually, by knowing your neighbors, by knowing your community, by coming out with an open mind and being able to share and become friends with your peers it combats a lot of the problems that we have um with being scared of of certain neighborhoods and unfortunately back in the past we we really did segregate detroit there was lawsuits even just 10 years ago about real estate agents not showing historically black neighborhoods to whites or white neighborhoods to blacks like it's a a built-in racism that has been here for decades. But I do believe that the new generations of Detroiters have combated that pretty full force, and I'm very proud to be part of the new Detroit. And I absolutely love it here. I do. It reminds me of New York when I was in college, where you've got artists who are able to survive in these really cool post-industrial warehouse spaces that. You've got yoga retreats that happen where, honestly, some of these things don't have very big budgets and they make it happen Mm -hmm. because there are so many people in this community who are, again, pulling up their bootstraps and and making things work with what we've got. Um, We're lucky that the rents in areas are not that Mm -hmm. high that prohibit uh, new ideas and creations from happening. Um, which is why I'm so in love with Detroit as a beautiful
0: city. Mm. I mean, it's it's interesting because I think one of the uh, – for someone from the outside, Mm -hmm. having – read a lot, looked at a lot of websites, follow a lot of different things on social media. You get that, oh, certainly for me over the last year, you pre, well, pre-COVID, let's say, um, mm-hmm. you get that sort of impression that on the one hand, there's the you know comeback city and all the downtown, the glitzy, et cetera, et cetera, which, which seems to be true. And it looks amazing. But then you also get the other bit this it, it's considered still a really quite a dangerous city and places and so sort of quite a down and, and poor city which i again is, is true but one of the things that's really st- i think really attracted me to, to doing this project was there was something and i don't know what it was but there was something and there were very tangible things but something about a lot of the people who were there who were involved in projects and i think like you said they weren't making lots of money they were mm-hmm. passionate and really proud about being from detroit and and almost super proud because of all the stuff it's had to deal with. And I think that one of the things that stood out for me in doing these interviews is, as well as the positivity, but also how people have really, not everyone, because I appreciate there's struggles, a lot of health issues, but since COVID, so many people have really put themselves out there to try and help people who are struggling with food or rent, or even water, which I mean, we just wouldn't get that. I think I mentioned this in previous podcasts, but you just don't get water cutoffs, because for a public health point of view, it makes no sense. It's completely crazy. But so what I really love is that like yourself, I think one of the reasons uh, I may have said this right at the beginning of the podcast—the fact that you're giving back—and I think that's one of the other things that we haven't touched on, is it that you've you've got this um, you've got this food truck, but you've got a restaurant as well. So, uh, although I appreciate that's probably mothballed at the moment, but also you've got this sort of I don't know what you call it—project commitment to try and give back to people. And could you say a little bit about how that came about in terms of was it related to COVID or was it pre- was it already there beforehand?
1: Well, one of the biggest struggles between me and Stefan is that I like to give things away for free.
0: <laughs> now, if you're by the way, if you're listening to this, I was just sipping a pint of Elderflower Cordial. It's Elderflower season here in the UK. That nearly went all over my Mac. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs>
1: So I apologize for making you choke on your drink.
0: <laughs> nice elderflower. It's okay. <laughs> it's worth choking on.
1: So, yes, yeah, I, I have always wanted to help people, and that's kind of part of my personality. It's part of my, my household as well. Um, and at the restaurant, I've always wanted to help other vegan chefs launch their business. And when people who are my customers come to me and say, whatever, you know, it's their birthday or they're having a hard time getting a gluten-free vegan cake for their kid. I've been known to give away birthday cakes or to do whatever it is that mm-hmm. I can to help my community. And Stefan keeps me every once in a while. It's just, <laughs> this is not how we do it in business, but <laughs> it's me. It's who I am mm-hmm. as a person. So, when COVID first hit, as a person who's a very emotional person, and as you have probably learned in the past hour of chatting with me, I I uh, get very emotional over things. Mm-hmm. And I, I get very affected by how other people are doing uh, deeply. And when COVID first hit, and people started getting sick, and we didn't know where the restaurant was going, we didn't know how many people were sick in our area. I didn't know if I was even making people sick by serving in my restaurant. Like it was such a anxiety time and unknown. And I was almost paralyzed by the amount of unknown and fear. And I think you heard on, on the XYZ interview, I did admit that I I called uh, a helpline because one I had, gotten to a point where the anxiety was too much I couldn't even sleep mm-hmm. and my husband's like you, you've got to do something I mean it, I was losing I was losing my nerve I was losing my mind so when I called the therapist and we were talking one of the best advice I got was don't focus on what you can do because at this point uh, right now what you can do for yourself is is kind of an unknown like we're We just have to accept the situation for what it is. And I mean, they're saying masks. No one had any masks yet. They were saying hand sanitizer. No one had any hand sanitizer. No one had any toilet paper. I mean, we ended up with a recommendation from the health department about having hand sanitizer at the front of a restaurant. And I remember asking, Stefan, when's the last time you saw any hand sanitizer at any store at all? I mean, we were being limited to gloves by the box. So I had to let go of all the things I couldn't control and do the best that I could do with what I had. and I need to focus on what I could do to help others, because that's who I am, and that's the core value of my being. So I had to look and see who needs help and what can I do to help them. So that very week, when I got a request saying, "Hey, we're out in Manchester. We have six people. We can't find any vegan food at the grocery store. Can you bring some out to us? And that was Sasha Farms. And I'm like, yes, someone needs help. We can help them. Let's do this. And so I contacted a whole bunch of people and said, hey, someone needs help. You want to help me help them? And I got this group of six people together. We all went food shopping, we got some groceries together. Uh, ice Cream Plants, which is a local company here, which went from my business acquaintances to now they're such good friends. They packed up their car and they drove up to Sasha Farms and they delivered the groceries. And Sasha Farms says, we want to pay you back. I said, well, you want to pay back, pay it forward. So they gave us money and then we applied that to Does someone else need help. So the next one who needed help, we started giving them free Food. I gave away gift cards. I started with giving away gift cards. Pay it forward gift cards. We got to a point where we had sold about two thousand dollars worth of gift cards of meals. So I'm feeding them hot meals. And Chef B, who we can go into, she's she's an employee at Nosh Pit who has a heart even bigger than mine. She said, "Oh look, I found all of this food that Del Bain is giving away because they ordered too much." And now that the restaurants are shutting down, they have all this food to give away. Let me bring it to Nosh Pit and we can give it away with the hot food. So then we had overnight turned into a vegan pantry where I had all of this stuff. I posted it up on our website. We have extra spinach. We have extra lettuce. We have extra this. Do you need any? And people started asking. And then I got, oh, I can't find any vegan gluten-free bread in the grocery store anymore. Do you have anything? And then next thing I know, <laughs> I'm running a pantry. I'm running a hot food program. I'm doing a pay it forward program. And for five days I got sick. I ended up, I think it was the stress of everything. I ended mm. up with a fever for a day. And so I had to put myself into self-quarantine and get the COVID test and For those five days, I had to rely on friends to run this program that I had started. It was one of the best things that could have happened because I ended up finding Gail and Q, who filled out the other two walls of the program. So we have a solid program now, 10 weeks in the running. We have a process down pat. We give for $25. We are able to feed one person for a week healthy vegan food. The United States Humane Society um, has been helping big time with publicity, and they donated bags and they donated plant-based eating guides that every single pre- person gets a plant-based eating guide with recipes and ideas of why they should be plant-based. Four um, hundred and thirty-something people. My my numbers aren't exact, but I know it's over four hundred. Mm that we've helped so far with either hot meals or groceries um, in 10 weeks.
0: That's amazing. And other people who are you helping? Are they people who are vegan? Sounds like some of them are. But are you helping people who just need access to good quality food?
1: Yes, we're helping both. The commitment that you get when you fill out the Nosh Care form Mm. that we have on our website is that you're going to be getting a box of vegan groceries for a week. So we give you fresh, not like donated, like we actually purchase fresh vegetables and fruit and tofu and nut milks and all. There's some vegan cheese in there. It's all vegan and it's enough food for a week. So we give you the tools. We give you the guidebooks. I'd say about 50-50. They're vegan and they need the food. Or they're not vegan, and I'm giving them some tools to learn to be vegan, or at least to eat more
0: healthy. And where do you get all the food from? I mean, are the supply chains still working okay in the States? And sounds like you got some from restaurants, perhaps that have had yeah. them in freezes and things.
1: So that's where Q comes in, Kiana. She runs the kitchen, which is hmm. that's her restaurant, and she has a nonprofit organization called Eat to Live. Um, I hooked up with her about week five when I realized that this was not like a couple week thing, That this was going to go on for a while. Mm. And I approached her and said, hey, I need I need a nonprofit organization to pair with to, to make sure that this keeps going. Um, I also need someone who actually gets deliveries at their restaurant because my restaurant is located on a one way road, single file road so we don't get the big trucks that come down the kitchen does so she gets the deliveries of the vegetables and then nosh care volunteers go and pick up the boxes of vegetables bring it to the nosh pit we supplement it with more grains, beans, and donations that I've gotten from local businesses and from national businesses. The local businesses, it just, it's amazing. I can only imagine that Radical Plants had to have manufactured more product for us because there's no way they could have mm-hmm. had that amount of stock that they donated to us. Then there's granola. And a lot of these vegan businesses, they're not selling as much because of the time. And some of them, like I said, radical plants, I have a feeling they actually manufactured more for us. But we get these little treats besides the fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. like granola or super dip is a soy based dip that you can use as a pasta sauce or dips and veggies in or chips. Uh, what else have we gotten this week? Unburger Grill, which is another vegan restaurant down in Dear- Dearborn, donated, I think it was 40 uh, hamburger patties. And weeks before, we've had new kombucha, donate kombucha, and what other? I, I'm forgetting different ones, but every week, We've had different local mm. Detroit vegan businesses donate food. It's just been amazing. The Veg Fest, which got canceled here, it was a big letdown because that's a big boon to the economics of the vegan industry mm. here. Yeah. It's, hundreds of thousands of people, I think, show up, at least 50,000 people. Well, their door prizes, when you walk in, was a donation of like a. Uh, Cauliflower rice, I think, from a company called Bee Green. Well, I've I've got five hundred packets of that now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never and had cauliflower of it, rice. Yes. So we're giving those away thanks to Veg Michigan. And then Daya sent us a week's worth of stuff. And BioLife has sent us some cheese and Follow Your Heart has sent us some cheese. So it really is everyone kind of together
0: it's fantastic and you cut and you mentioned the name as you were talking Nosh care yeah that's what you're calling it that and how many people say in terms of directly involved around you in terms of distributing and making how many people are involved in terms of nosh care that's
1: a very good question um, I'd say at least 30 if you're talking about people who have donated people yeah. who have delivered yeah. and what blows my mind is how many of them are business owners who are in the same yeah boat where we feel like we don't have enough paddles, that we're already worried about our businesses, but have put our community first, Um, including Phyllis from Conscious Cafe, who does a food collection uh, locally, and she has indeed delivered many packages herself. How many vegan restaurant owners and food manufacturers are participating just blows my mind?
0: That's fantastic. And just going back a bit now, there's someone that um, in my, uh, I have done so much research in terms of my bookmarks, which is not very well organized. I've got so dozens and dozens and dozens of articles and things about Detroit and someone who cropped up last year. And then I noticed she's linked with you and you mentioned her name, Chef B. Yes. And could you say a little bit more about her and what you said? She's got a really big heart and I know she creates some interesting food. Yes.
1: So let me talk about Chef B. It's it's funny when you're a food entrepreneur, you run into a lot of people who are in that launching area where they have great food or a great idea and they just haven't taken off with their own restaurant or their own Mm -hmm. food truck yet. And being part of the detroit food labs i run into a lot of them and i'm able to do collaborations with them and chef b is one of the one- first ones i did a collaboration with um i fell in love with her because she's like me she has 10 kids she has a full house
0: wow yes
1: <laughs> um, it. yes and she always has time every week she feeds the hungry on on wednesdays up at the bus center feeding away cooking away That's she gives away more food than she sells. Another <laughs> thing so
0: she sort of she's doing her own thing as well. So yes, she does. Uh, oh, she, she sounds like someone I should interview. I she yes. sounds great.
1: Yes. She so we hooked up in that she did some pop-ups at the restaurant that were they were good, but they weren't great. So we have her, you know, some events, but her food, especially her fried chicken wings is amazing and we approached her with the idea of she sells her wings out of our restaurant she comes Mm. she makes them we buy them from her um and it's an item that we offer on our menu chef B's wings if we ever decide to go our separate ways they're still hers and they're not ours so (laughs) it's a it's a true joint effort Mm. but it is the best selling item on our menu right now and
0: is it, is it the spices she puts in it? Does she have a sort of spice mix or what, what's so special about it? So yes. we're talking about food you can't eat.
1: Yes. Uh, well, what, no, it's they're vegan wings. And what she does is she manages to get the vegan spicing and flavors just right that the flavor and the taste, it reminds you of the meat. And in January, I went to Herbivoreous Butcher. And I bought a whole bunch of stuff from the vegan butcher shop uh, in Minneapolis. And I brought it home and I, I shared it with B And B said, I can do that better. And you know what? She did. Wow. So she has a talent for making vegan meats. She absolutely does. So we're bringing on more and more of her meat at Nosh Pit. So we, the ribs were the second item that we introduced. We can't make them all the time because they are quite expensive to make. But we just did something for Memorial Day where people purchased some to bring home. I, I won't lie. I bought two for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Well, she she does quality so B inspires me because she hasn't had it easy herself. Her her house right now she she doesn't talk about, it, but she lost her house. She's living with her daughter. And right now her house is flooded in the basement and she had to fight the city to get them to help her with the cleanup because it was a sewer back up into her basement. But somehow she has the time and energy. To go around and she's actually gathered more food for my Nosh care program than anyone else. She managed to snag eight pieces of 40 Beyond burgers from TCF Center when they closed. How she makes these connections, I have no idea. It's magic. But she manages to connect people and food. Um and if I'm mentioning B, I should mention Chef Phil Jones too. He's out there and a friend of B's, and he also manages to somehow have in his mind this ongoing list of people who need food. And sources of food and manages to put them together. So I have awesome respect for people who can do that and without looking at their own situations. You know, it's awesome. amazing. I,
0: having been doing the these interviews and and uh, researching for them, and uh, in my head I've got this vision. This is like patchwork of all these little connections going in in Detroit. And uh, even though I don't know Detroit, but all these people who know someone, and, uh, but also lots of just incredible people are, ju- are just getting on with it they you know they're not famous people necessarily they're not people that people would know but they're just really giving back to their communities and it is that i personally and one of the reasons i did this was because that inspires me and i think it's amazing and especially at the moment the world needs people like that I think yes. it really does. We've got plenty of people who are in the world to make money, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's good that people are giving back. So obviously, with COVID, it, it's not going to weigh, is it? I mean, we, it's around. But in terms of the how we how the lockdowns are imposed or how they the restrictions loosen, um, we don't quite know what's going to happen, especially into fall or we would call it autumn. What well, do you envisage a nosh care carrying on in some form? I mean, because obviously at some point you, I guess you're hoping to get the restaurant or the the food truck back up and running in some shape or form
1: you know it it's Tough right now because we haven't decided exactly how we're moving forward. We did have a restaurant consultants meeting, and we're actually thinking that we're not going to reopen the front of the restaurant for a while. We do expect Nosh Care to go on until we run out of funding or food, which we know mm-hmm. will happen. I'm I'm not a nonprofit, and I didn't get into this to do mm-hmm. nonprofit because if I keep on putting too much of myself into this, I know that I will be distracted from my main goal which is is not fit but mm. I'm going to keep on going as long as I'm helping my community and I have the means to do it and that's my promise to myself as long as I have funds and as long as I have the time and as long as I have the space I'm going to keep on doing it. and as long as it's needed which it is
0: yeah so it sounds a little bit like um, the focus might be more on the, the food truck because of I just get this regulations and things so you get that back up and running is that right?
1: well right now we're focusing on carry out and take out mm. uh, we're in the process of a food truck rebuilt we are actually the little green truck died uh in the winter time or actually right before the winter time and we are re- rebuilding up the purple truck which will Ooh. eventually turn green um, <laughs> It's a slow process you can't really do mm. too much food truck renovation during the winter so The silver lining of COVID is that we have a summer to work on a food truck, which is wonderful. We have another truck that we've been using for private events. We have our little cart that we can use for private events right now to do Nosh Pit pop-ups. And we did indeed get a small handful of bookings, especially for neighborhoods. And that's the new business model right now for food trucks is to go into subdivision and have families come and pick up from the trucks uh, one I at s- a time.
0: I saw uh, there's um, one of the um, I follow these uh, the uh, sisters who have been isolating together I think and they're the keynote sisters. Do you know them in Detroit?
1: No, I don't. They
0: are amazing. They're very young and they're but they're just brilliant. They have got beautiful voices and they do lots of different songs. But I noticed they've been doing a Sunday Night Live thing, which I tend to watch the day after because it's right in the middle of the night when I'm asleep. And uh, but they, I've noticed that what they're doing is you can you can hire them and they'll go out with their car and nice. they'll go and play in front of your house and then you can have your eat your food so you, you, should, nice. you, should, you should you should link up with them it'd be great you could do great music and fantastic food
1: that's awesome yeah they're, they're
0: really brilliant I really they re- I really like them they've got beautiful how beautiful harmonies really good so and I love that as well you know they' sort of and also I think that because the way Detroit and um, well I think America is uh, set up you know in terms of often you'll have the houses with space in front of them and the and it just allows was that sort of thing to happen And i guess it's the weather. i think you've got the same weather as we have today it's about it's about sort of 80 degrees here it's uh, you you've got that as well so karen in terms of you've talked a little bit about giving out of yourself and what keeps you going in terms of you know sustaining you when Things are tough because I'm sure there are days when it's just really hard work and you're uncertain.
1: Well, first of all, I'm, what you were talking about, the interconnectedness. Mm. What I'm doing is not just helping you know people in mm. need of food. Mm. It's keeping our network of vegan businesses going. And if I'm able to tag these businesses in a post and then they're able to tell a story of working with us and helping mm. feed other people – then we're we're keeping these interests going even when these companies are unable to function. So I'm I'm happy to be doing that. What's mm. what's keeping me going is the idea that we are indeed going to reopen up at some point. And it's going to look different. It is mm. going to look different, but there is future and there is hope. It's all about pivoting and creating new business models. So I've tried to grow uh, sell groceries off of my site now of local businesses that Mm. aren't really producing. I'm trying to do projects like with Ice Cream Plant where we're doing a cookie sandwich and they're delivering it, uh, uh, mobile delivery of vegan gluten-free ice cream. I'm I'm trying to get as involved as I Mm. can with other small businesses starting to reopen again because, you know, it's cheesy that we are all in this together, but it's also more true than ever before that we can't approach the getting over the virus and keeping going as an individual process, but rather that we do it together as a
0: community. Mm. What are your hopes for the future about Detroit? I mean, that's a big change in some ways uh, in terms of what we're thinking about, but I guess you've obviously experienced Detroit. You've been there for 20 years. You've seen different sides of it. I was asking this question from interviews pre-COVID about what people wanted to see. And obviously there's the downtown, but people wanted to see that spread out elsewhere and that different communities would benefit. What would you like to see now? Because maybe the world is looking a bit different as well as much for us as it is for you guys.
1: Well, I have to tell you, I'm very, very excited about the whole local food movement. Mm. I think if anything, we've given more gas to the idea of people growing their own vegetables and shopping locally. The less that we rely on the national food brands and the more that we rely on our local communities to provide our food and sustenance, the better that we will be. And Detroit is wonderful in that we have so many innovative food businesses mm-hmm. that are able to survive due to our reasonable rents and our communities. So what I would love to see is smaller grouped communities where you have your local bakery, your local grocery store, your local amenities that you want in each of your neighborhoods. Um, That's something that the the restaurants started doing. The virus hit. The Sister Pie was selling groceries out of their restaurant. Why not expand that? Why not start looking at what you can do without a car, what you can do by sticking into your local community. Because right now, what has been spreading the virus is the huge groups of people together under big roofs. So why don't we start looking at the small local restaurants small local food start growing your own uh vegetables start small communities again because so that's what's mm. safer for us in the future right now
0: yeah and you've got and detroit's got the land you've got what is it 1300 urban farms plus it's such a big place if there isn't food in your local area i think um, dr mark hyman talks about on his podcast at doctor's pharmacy there's there's food deserts um where people have to travel and i guess if you're able to make it much more local that's going to be really really helpful and uh actually so pe- people will be coming back to detroit at some point you know to to visit for family or you know at some point the world is i guess with some sort of massive changes being you know, get a, a semblance of normality i myself would still planning to come to detroit if you were if someone came to detroit where would you take them and what would you do and i appreciate at the moment things might be closed not the same but uh, assuming that it gets back to a a level of normality
1: if it were eight months ago (laughs) and you came to visit i'd have you stay in the greek town Palladium hotel that was the one we ended up choosing for our wedding guest that's in the middle of of greek town i love the little neighborhood there and it's been alive Mm. for years In years years, um, where Trapper's Alley is and the little Pegasus uh, Tavern, back in the days when you couldn't really walk through Detroit, you could walk through Greektown. Um, So Mm. Greektown has... Quite, quite a history to it. So, I love to stay in Greektown. And I probably tell you to go and get corned, corned beef uh, egg rolls at Old Shillelagh because they're vegan. Oh, um, I've
0: heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of that because my mum was Irish. And so, uh, I've heard of that. I've, I've, I've looked I'm the going menu, to tell so. you where
1: to eat through our tour. Are you ready?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, do you know what? I really love food. So, uh, this sounds good. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead.
1: So, then we're going to go to Belle Isle.
0: Oh yeah, Yeah. that looks lovely. Maybe
1: we'll even ride our bikes up there from Greek Town, rent some bikes, ride to Belle Isle, ride around um, and see the beautiful sights, and so- including the conservatory. Then we'll head up to Detroit Vegan Soul in West Village, and we'll have a very nice lunch. Catfish tofu is what I would probably recommend.
0: Oh, I think I saw that on one of those videos, and that's just something we'd never, I mean, it's it's not yes. a British dish, so no. we don't have catfish here, let alone catfish tofu.
1: Or the C10 pepper steak is another favorite of mine right there. yes and then right around the block from them is, is sister pie and they do have vegan offerings so we'd probably head down there and say hello <laughs> um then we're gonna head off and we'll we'll go to woodbridge we'll hang out at the art gallery of armageddon beach party have you heard of Ooh. them
0: no 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 at all what a oh, great name
1: google them they're the ones okay. who did the art on the back of my food truck oh okay. Arm- i'm gonna
0: look, write that down armageddon beach party
1: armageddon beach party they opened really? a little art gallery slash music hall in the woodbridge area and we're gonna we'll hang out there We'll look at some art and then we're going to go to Pai Sai for dinner. Have you heard of Pai, Pai Sai?
0: No, Pai Sai. No, that sounds interesting.
1: Yes, they recently did a collaboration with us for a pizza that was a Coney Carrot dog pizza. And it was quite possibly, and you know, I, I cooked my own food, they made my food better. So it was a Coney <laughs> Carrot dog pizza and was delicious. But every week wow. they have, they do a equivalent vegan menu to their meat menu, which I've very much appreciate. Then evening time, we'll go maybe if there's some music over at Hart Plaza or if there was something going on downtown along the river, we'll go to a concert and then we'll get our late night snack from either Nosh Pit or Chili Mustard Onions or whatever's open. Wow. Yes. Yeah.
0: uh, It sounds sounds great. And I know I remember seeing there was an article about Detroit being one of the top vegan um, cities in the US actually um, which was fantastic which is great so oh wow that sounds great another tempting reason to come over to Detroit I'm doing well for reasons to come over to Detroit not that I needed any anyway but so oh I tell you what Karen it has been such a joy interviewing you today and we've certainly gone on longer than I planned we had a little break in the middle not a technical hitch but it's been so interesting and it's amazing what you're doing and and the team you're around you your colleagues as well that you've mentioned I'm sure there are others we haven't had a chance to mention their names I know know that these things take a lot of effort and a lot of work and uh, they they're doing amazing stuff and it's brilliant that you're giving back so much to the community as well. Oh, thank um, you. It really uh, I just think that sort of patchwork of people doing things is quite incredible. It's wonderful.
1: Well, it's it's been an amazing opportunity to get to know all of these people mm-hmm. like i said ice cream plants we were co-workers and same with uh, radical plants we were kind of cohorts where we ran into each other. We said, hi, we were friendly. We emailed, you know, like, are you going to be doing this? Now we're at the point where where we love each other. You know we're kind mm-hmm. of holding each other up, and and I appreciate it. Yeah.
0: So yeah, um, yeah, it's great. And I so I wish in these uncertain times, I wish all you and your loved ones and colleagues well, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that everything works out plans wise, and the van looks all wonderful and looks amazing in a thank you. whatever shade of green you choose. Uh, <laughs> hello, thank you so much for listening into that episode. Now you, the keen eared amongst you, will have noticed that when I did the introduction there was a bit of a clunking it's I'm where I'm, it's really hot today and I'm recording this and so it was going well i obviously you won't realize but sometimes I have to record those uh, a few times even though they may seem utterly spontaneous which I'm sure they don't and I had a water jug there and I sort of suddenly bashed it and uh, so when I was listening back to it I thought oh god you know if I was some super duper producer I'd get rid of that but I didn't so um forgive me and if if anyone listened in and thought oh Dear, this is so unprofessional and turned off well. Can't do anything about that. Uh, You're lost in terms of uh, what you heard. So thank you again for listening this week. It's been really good. I do really enjoy getting your feedback. So do give me uh, your feedback by any channels whatsoever. Get a lot of feedback from the Yoga of Adrian uh, social media community, uh, the cooler. Uh, you can email me via my website um, or um, on Instagram. There's usually three posts a week on Instagram, two uh, related to the, the current guest, one about and then also usually about the, the mug that I've used Uh, in that particular episode so I really wish you well thank you so much once again for listening Uh, let your friends know about this uh, podcast Um, it really means a lot thank you, take care and have a wonderful wonderful week, oh and do stay safe bye